Welcome to Kolisha, the podcast that gives Orthodox women a voice. Welcome back to Kolisha. So this week, I'm really pleased to be joined by Javi Brock. So Javi is a Chabad Shlucha, and she's living now in Bozeman, Montana, where she and her husband are very involved in the Chabad there. And what's extremely unique about them and their family is that they chose to build their family through adoption. And um, I find this so fascinating, particularly in the from world, where it's um, pretty unconventional. And so I wanted to invite Javi on to talk about it, to share with our listeners uh, about her experiences with adoption. So welcome, Javi. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. This is a, it's a pleasure. Great. So I wanted to know if you could start by just telling us a little bit about your background, like where you grew up and what brought you out to Montana, um, sort of set the stage for uh, how you and your husband decided to build your family together. Um, yes. Um, so I actually grew up in San Antonio, Texas. Um, my parents um, have started the Chabad house there. And... Um, met my husband and married in 2006, uh, lived in Crown Heights for a year, and um, my husband, pre- before we were married, he, as a yeshiva student, um, traveled around Montana visiting the local Jewish community here um, as a yeshiva student just to provide some Jewish company, um, you know, support, whatever was needed, because there wasn't really an established um, Jewish community here. There was some reform, but there wasn't any um, really uh, strong Jewish presence in Montana. So um, after we got married, my husband was like, hey, do you want to move to Montana and open a permanent Chabad house here? And basically through him traveling around the state, he started to uh, realize that really there could be something permanent here. You know, there's enough Jews, there's enough vibrancies, enough growing, there's enough life to really sustain a um, full-time Chabad house. And so I said, sure. (laughs) And we came came to visit, and um, we came to visit in the summer. We got married in March. We came to visit in the summer and spent like a month just traveling around the state. And, and, you know, I really loved it, and we decided to move here. So on our first anniversary, we um, moved out to Bozeman, and that's kind of how it all got started. Wow. So as someone who grew up in the tri-state area and I've lived in the tri-state area my whole life, it's like so incredible to me. But then I think that you grew up in San Antonio, which is also like kind of remote in terms of from community. So you probably yeah. had some some degree of background in like sort of managing without, you know, takeout and all this stuff exactly. that we're so used to here. Yeah, my husband's a Crown Heights boy, but I grew up on Schlechus in Texas and compared to Montana, Texas is like a huge oasis of Jewish life, right? But, but, but really, especially when my parents moved out there, it was really isolated and really middle of you know nowhere, and definitely did not grow up with kosher restaurants. And we definitely grew up ordering our food in, and we grew up, you know, just really similar to how we are growing up now. And I do think that um, I'm just. You know, as much as I love a good kosher restaurant, I'm not used to going out to eat. I didn't grow up that way, you know, so I don't uh, miss it as much. My husband, the first second he he lands in New York or from community, he's like, 
on to the sushi, you know, like that's his first time. Find the kosher um, food. And I, and I love a good restaurant, but it's just for me, I'm just so much more used to living that life of isolation from the amenities of a Jewish community. Like I just didn't grow up with them. Wow. So it's, it's Even... a lot easier for me. Sure. Even still, it's a huge sacrifice because, you know, you could have easily just moved somewhere where things could have been a little easier um, in terms of, you know, you're from lifestyle. So in terms of how you guys wound up building your family, can you give us a little background as to like why you decided to go with adoption? Um, what what gave you that idea and uh, how that decision making process went for you guys? Sure. So um, we were a typical from couple, you know, getting married and really expecting to um, grow our family and have tons of kids. And that was always a dream of mine and, and what I just know and used to and was like, super excited to start, you know, building my family. And, um, you know, it turned out not to be that simple for us. And, you know, a year in and I wasn't pregnant, we decided to start um, pursuing, um, like, trying to find out like what was going on, you know, we weren't super alarmed. We were just like, okay, maybe it's time to start doing some testing and figuring out what's going on. And so we started that process and it was, we have, we already were living in Montana. So it's difficult because not only is Montana isolated in the sense of a firm community, but we live in a very small town, which also means that, um, medically we don't have specialists, right? We have, we don't have, you know, um, fertility specialists or pediatric specialists or all those kinds of things. So for me to start that journey, I did have to travel quite a bit, um, at both of us. And, but, you know, we would go to New York and we would see the doctors when we could. And we, sometimes we'd go in special and, you know, our journey was really unique because it ended up just being pretty quick in the sense that it wasn't like, okay, then all of a sudden we have years and years and years of, of testing and procedures. It was, we came to the point where through the testing that we had done was really we have one one procedure that will make or break our chances of having biological children. And it was like all our eggs in one basket. And so it was this thing, or and if this thing didn't work, um, that was it. And so, you know, obviously we're, we're, we have a lot of faith and we're, really, you know, we're, we're pretty strong and we scheduled that procedure and, you know, obviously nervous, but like really going in, not thinking that, you know, oh, just expecting like a positive outcome, you know, cause that's what we're trained to do. We're supposed to, you know, think positive and it'll be positive. And, um, and as it turned out, the outcome wasn't what we expected. And the doctor after the procedure, um, with not the best bedside manner just was like, basically in four, in four words changed our whole life and wow. pulled the rug out of under us. And he said, um, I'm sorry, this, the procedure wasn't successful and you're not ever having biological children. Like that was it. Wow. Boom, like bomb, you know? And I was 23. Um, I can't remember if I, I think I was, yes, I was 23. My husband was 26 and really young to have this like life altering thing happen, you know? And sometimes I think like, you know, it was actually pretty good that I was young. You know, you're a little bit younger and more naive and more, um, you know, resilient in a sense, you know. Um, and that was just really how it all started. And, you know, we had to take some time to process. And I think, um, honestly, 14 years later, we, you know, we still have to process, you know, because that's something that is always in front of you. 
Um, but you know, taking taking that time to process, and I and I really came to the conclusion that I really don't. I I didn't feel for me. You know, everybody's different, but for me, I felt like I, I couldn't be in this world without a without creating a family. Like it was so much a part of who I was and what I wanted that I just wasn't ready to give that up. And so what we decided was we we're going to find a way to do it. And, um, and through research and, and understanding all the different options that there were to build a family when you weren't doing it biologically, and also all the halachic ramifications, we settled on adoption being the path that we wanted to take. And, and that's kind of how um, the idea of creating a family through adoption took place. Wow. So there's a lot to unpack in that story. First of all, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, describing the moment of when you were told you were never going to have biological children and you had to give up on your dreams so quickly is just like, you know, took my breath away. Um, and then the fact that you at such a young age with your husband were able to, yeah, I'm sure it took time and you're saying yeah. it very succinctly, but the fact that you were able to move forward in such a positive way is just incredible. So well, I always tell people that I'm a really impatient person, actually. And so I, I'm not a very good like dweller necessarily, which has its really good qualities and which has its negative qualities, you know. And so I was just like all about, OK, like I, I'm going to just find an, another way to do this. And the good thing was is that I think that if I would have dwelled too much, I might have fallen into a hole that I wouldn't have been able to crawl out of. But the flip side of that is sometimes you don't take the time to grieve properly and those kind of stuff can come up later. So I've definitely over the last 14 years have worked, you know, through therapy, through all, all other mindful activities to process those things. And it's a, still a continuing, you know, journey. Um, but I think Hashem has a plan and, and he got, gave me the energy to push forward because that's what I needed to do in the moment. And then once I was secure enough in who I was and what my mission was and why I'm in this world, then I was able to go back later and kind of unpack some of that grief, you know? Wow. So your faith really helped you through the grief process and come to terms with your situation. A hundred percent. I always talk, I mean, I, I do um, go around and lecture quite, quite a bit about our family journey and my lecture is always about my my journey through faith. Like, I really feel like there's there's no other way I would have been able to pull through if I didn't believe that there's a higher there's a bigger picture and a, and Hashem running the show. Then I'd be like, what the, what the, what what am I doing here? Like, what's the purpose? You know? But just really being able to fall back on this idea that I don't run the show and there's a bigger picture that I don't get to see. Right. I don't get to know the inner workings of of God and why he does the things that he does. But I do know that he knows what he's doing. Right. And so I just have to embrace the path that he's put in front of me. Wow. That, you know, it's a really inspiring like worldview. And it's it's something that I think everyone aspires to, like different people have to work through different issues that come up through their lives. And I think this this mentality and this um this mindset and growth process is something that we all strive for but when you have such a life-altering moment and to be able to put it in that perspective is really really incredible um so something that you touched on um were the halakhic ramifications of adoption and i haven't really given much thought to that until you mentioned it so 
Would you expound a little on that? Like, what were some of the halakhic issues that you had to address and work through um, or that present themselves with adoption? Right. And um, definitely, I, I will get into that a little bit. That, and also, um, what else I was also referring to is the halakha ramifications of all other options of building a family. And, and actually, adoption was the least halakhically problematic, oh, you know, than some other things. And the halakha ramifications of adoption are could be intense and um I, I get a lot of questions about that and my answer is usually taking one step at a time right if we would actually think about all the steps it would take to physically give birth and all the hardships that that would that that entails we would be paralyzed right so the same thing goes for adoption like if i were to dwell and think about every single thing and every single obstacle then i you're right i would be stuck and i wouldn't do it but i took on the um, the outlook of we'll cross that bridge when we get there, right? And um, so some of the halakhic ramifications that people ask about all the time is shomer nagia, yichud, you know, all, all, you know, that, most of those kinds of things, like how do you deal with that? And my answer is, is that there's a lot of different opinions and a lot of different um, rabs and rabbis will steer you differently. And you just really have to trust the halakhic authority that's guiding your family, and 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 that's who is your rock, right? And that's who's going to get you through these complicated situations. So for me, I might do one thing, and another family will do another thing. But this is the kind of thing that is is such an individual basis. So um, to protect my family's privacy, I don't think it's you know necessarily important to know what we do as a family, but. But it is important to know that these are issues. These are things that are addressed. And we feel really grateful that we have such support and family guidance to walk us through this in a halakhic way. But that also fits with our family values and how we want to raise our children. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I assume when you say like the halakhic ramifications of other methods, you're talking about things like surrogacy and egg donation and uh, sperm donation yeah, and things like that. Yeah, egg donation, sperm donation, surrogacy, you know, those kinds of things can right. be, not to say I don't know enough enough about it to make any, um, have any opinions on them, but for, for us, when we were researching them, it seemed a lot more complicated. They are very halakhically complex, yeah. Yeah, to do, to go that route. And I also um, felt really strongly of, of my husband and I both being on the same page, you know? And so, um, meaning like we're both in the same boat, we're both adopting a child that is outside of us. Um, and I felt that for us in that, in that moment was a really healthy way to go. Um, and that's what we chose for our family. Yeah, that makes sense. So how many kids do you have now? So thank God I have five wow. from adoption. Wow. So would you want to share any of like the individual adoption stories, like how they came to be part of your families? Um, I, I can touch briefly because I will be here all night um, with <laughs> all my five kids story, but I will go kind of down the, down the line and briefly talk about um, each one. And um, they're all such special stories and um, we can write a book about each one. But so briefly, our first um, adoption is my daughter, Chaya, who's 10 and a half. And she was born in Russia, um, but was in the States for medical evaluation. She was born nine weeks early. Um, and so she was three pounds, um, a preemie that went through a lot of medical procedures and difficulties and um, was touch and go for a while. So she, so she was brought to the States um, just to up her medical care that she needed. And then it turns out that she 
needed an adoptive family. And um, my husband's really close friend was involved in this story. And he was actually the only person we told in the beginning that we were looking for adoption. Wow. And he was the one that had this opportunity and called us. And he's like, are you guys really serious? Because I haven't, I have a situation. And, um, and we were, and so 10 and a half years ago, um, uh, Faya was 10 weeks when we adopted her and we adopted her, um, in New Jersey and she was our first and, um, it was surreal, you know, just, you know, I remember, I'll remember always like yesterday, just standing in the adoption agency and getting handed this little tiny newborn. I mean, she was almost three months, but she was the size of a tiny little newborn. And just like, it, it's almost was like, you know, like, I don't, I can't believe this is happening. Right. But like threw us right into motherhood and, and parenthood actually, obviously. And, um, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. And then, uh, 10 months later we adopted our second child, ZC, who was born as in New Jersey, um, as well. Well, and we adopted her. She has a whole other story because she was born three weeks early. Um, and we were in Texas for Yentif on, uh, for Sukkis, and she was born on the first day of Shemini Yatzeras on the three day Yentif. Um, and we weren't in New York, we weren't in New Jersey. And so we got a fax like back then, nine and a half years ago, there were faxes and we were just like a fax that it's a girl, you know, how much she weighed and we need to come get her, you know? And we're like, we aren't there. Like, how are we going to figure this out? Um, but long story short, my, my, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, the second after Yantif from Crown Heights sped to New Jersey. Um, we had the lawyers sign, you know, we gave permission for them to pick her up and we flew the next morning and we met her for the first time at, at Newark Airport. Wow. <laughs> um, and so she, she is um, nine and a half, so they're 13 months apart um, age-wise, but they were adopted 11 months apart. Um, and then Cece has a whole other story. She, you know, was uh, diagnosed with a rare, rare, rare genetic disorder at age one. Uh, um, not diagnosed. She started symptoms at age one with seizures and a bunch of other things. Diagnosed at age five with GLUT1, which is a really rare genetic disorder. Um, which is a whole nother story. Um, maybe we'll have to do a second, you know, <laughs> one about that. Um, and, and then that's Zizi. And then, um, my son, whose birthday is tomorrow, oh, happy seven, birthday. um, he, we adopted him seven years ago from birth. Um, he's unique because he's biracial, he's black and, um, you know, a pretty awesome kid and, um, just brings a whole nother dimension to family and um, a whole nother dimension of opening up ourselves up to more experiences and more opportunities to really, you know, be open to the world and the whole racial aspect of, of that and how we get to expose our family to that and how, you know, it's been a really awesome, a special experience and it will come with its challenges down the road and has its challenges already, but, you know, wouldn't change it, trade it for the world. Um, and then our fourth child was unique in the sense that we adopted her at age 12. Um, so previously just babies and now we have, we, we were presented with this or literally on our doorstep, a situation of a beautiful 12 year old girl who needed a home. And so 
four, almost four years ago, we adopted Shoshana um, at age 12. And that, as you can imagine, is a whole different animal. Adopting a baby is a completely different thing than adopting a preteen. Um, so that comes with its journey and its um, ups and downs and all arounds. But it's also another unique and special aspect of our family. And then Hanalea, who's two and a half, um, was, is a Montana baby. She was born in Montana and we adopted her um, 20 minutes away. So it was so great because already having a bigger family, you know, we didn't have to pick up and go somewhere for three weeks. And, you know, we just, my family was home. I went to the hospital, stayed there for a couple of days, came home with a baby. And it was um, a pretty cool experience. So that's kind of in like a nutshell, like 1% of the actual stories but kind of gives you an idea. Wow. So again, so much to unpack. Like, like you said, I think you, you gave such a brief overview, but every one of their stories sounds so fascinating. Like I would like to do yeah. a whole episode on each one of their stories. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's in- incredible. So the fact that, you know, you guys opened up your lives to so many different um, children from so many different backgrounds and so many different situations, it's, it's really amazing to think about because when people have family of their own biological children, of course, each one is different. Each one's unique. You know, each one has their own issues and, and things, but this is like, so beyond that, you know, the fact that you're dealing with one biracial child, one medically complex child and different uh, backgrounds, you know, different uh, places of birth, ones from another country, different ethnicities. It's amazing. I can't, I can't even imagine it. Um, but it sounds like you are so like graceful about it. It's, it's really, really beautiful. So, Thank you. so yeah. what are some of like the challenges that you've been facing that you would say are maybe different than, um, a biological family? Um, so that's a really good question. I, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, I don't really know what it's like to raise, raise biological children, except that I was a biological child. Right. Right. And. Um, I, you know, had a big family and all my siblings have tons of kids and whatever, but I don't personally know what that is experience is like, but I, but I do know just from, from my experience and, and just being an adoptive mom, first of all, how wonderful it is, but also the fact that it's, it's not the same, right? Every unique experience has its challenges. And I, and I, and I found that just recognizing that and being open about that is really important because when we try to be like oh all children have challenges and all yes that's true but there are a specific set of challenges that come with adoption and it, and that's okay right and and um and it is true that every person has a challenge and what i've also learned from just going around and speaking everywhere is that everybody has a story right so my story is my story and it sounds unique to a lot of people um but you know, you op- you open yourself up and tell people your story, and then you are able to receive so many other people's stories and just learn so much from everybody. And how everybody has such an interesting and fascinating life. And life, I mean, I I don't think I've ever met someone that said life is a piece of cake. You know, like everybody has um, something that they're working on, overcoming, working through. Anyways, but that's a digression. But um, so the challenges of adoption. It's an interesting question because on the one hand, um, you know, if someone is looking to adoption, it's really important to really know what you're what you're signing up for and what you you know what you're doing. But I also think it's important to also have 
you know, your own experiences and not have someone tell you this is what it's like to have an adopted child, right? Because for every situation is so different. But from my experience of having five adopted children, um, I do, um, and from all the books and research that I've done and parenting classes and all my kids' therapists and everyone that, you know, I've worked for, worked with is, um, there is an attachment break for an adoptive child, no matter if they're adopted from birth or at 12 or 15 or seven, right? So that initial attachment of when some, a child is born from their birth mom and that's who they're used to, right? They're used to that the rhythm, the sound of their voice, their, their atmosphere. And then the second that they're born, they are handed to someone who's not their mom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's an attachment break. Um, every kid will handle that differently, but it is a thing and it is going to need to be handled. Um, and that's my biggest, um, kind of thing that I've learned through all my children is, is that that's, and it's a subconscious thing for them. They're, they don't necessarily understand that. And, um, they will understand that when, you know, obviously you're open about it and you talk about it, but you know, they, there's some behaviors that. They don't know why they're behaving that way, right? Like, um, so just being really open and understanding that that attachment break is exists. I think it's the biggest favor you can give to your child because when you're informed and you know um, what to look for and what to look out for, you can be prepared and you can support it in the best way possible instead of like avoiding it or not being aware or pretending it doesn't exist or wishing it away. Like those things aren't going to work, you know? Right. So when you are really open about like, yes, I'm building my family through adoption. I love my children to pieces. We have a unique family and with that unique family comes unique challenges and we're going to face them and we're going to deal with them, you know? And, um, that's, that's kind of, you know, there's a, a myriads of other things that, you know, are unique to adoption. But if I were to pull out one thing that is the most um, probably prominent would be that. Very fascinating. You know, actually, I'm going to do a little plug here. But one of my previous episodes that I did with a trauma therapist um, mm. was about attachment. So I didn't know a ton about attachment, but um, mm-hmm. I found out a lot. And it's a really, really fascinating topic. But it sounds like you know, going in with that knowledge and being open to it, like you said, and it sound, you mentioned that your kids are in therapy and stuff. So it sounds like you're doing a really great job being proactive so that they don't wind up having negative effects later on and then have to deal with it as an adult. Rather, they're dealing with it as they go through it. Is, right. that, is that right? Another, yes, 100%. Another, and to be trauma-informed is extremely important. And I think just life changing. And I've, and I've been able to do that over the years. And when I first adopted my first, I was really naive. And especially cause I didn't really have any mentors or anyone who's done it before in the firm circles. Like I, you know, it was very, a unique thing, you know, it wasn't really done that so much. I'm sure there are people who have done it, but not anybody that I knew, you know, or anybody remotely, you know, even researching, like it was hard to find, you know, um, and so, but over the years and, and being open, I love to learn and, and, and I'm so grateful for that because, you know, reading and understanding and, and putting these things into practice, um, makes all the difference. And, and that trauma piece is, is a big deal. So the more you can inform yourself on that, the better, you know, everyone is going to be. Um, and the other thing about this is, is journey, and, and this is true to everybody in any relationship and or any, you know, 
children is is understanding what's their journey and what's your role in their journey, right? So their journey is is they're gonna have to figure out a lot of you know a lot of themselves and their life, and you are there to support, guide, be their safety net. But sometimes we want something so badly for our children, or we um, think this is what's best for our children, and 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 we don't get to control all of that necessarily, right? And so one of the big things that I've learned, you know, over the years is just letting go of the outcomes, right? And just being, doing what you know how to do, being the best parent you can be, and then understanding that there's a, there's a path and there's, there's a journey and there's a whole world in your child that you don't get to, you don't get to decide and determine how that, how that goes. I think that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's so true, not only for adoptive children, but for biological children, too. And that's something that, like, I've had, you know, I've thought about a lot where our kids are their own unique worlds. Um, Even if they do share our DNA, we don't get to control them, you know, and they come with their own personalities. So, yeah, and that's what I said in the beginning, like, this applies to everybody, even your spouse, right? Like, anybody, you... You do, you can do you. You get to control how you react to a situation. You get to control how you want to parent. You get to control how, what kind of role model you want to be. But it kind of ends there, right? Um, and just understanding that piece of like not owning all my children's troubles and angst and anxiety and, you know, like I don't have to absorb that for them. It's not good for them and it's not good for me. You know, it, it's, it's, obviously very very hard to do and that's one of the hardest things because they're your child and you feel so deeply for them and you want them to be happy but when you let that go of you know what you want for them um and and be present in what you actually have control of it's life-changing absolutely it's it and like you said it's not something that's easy. a lot easier said than done but um oh my gosh i don't think we're i mean I, i'll say a bold thing but i don't think we ever you know, we ever reach the end and be like, oh my gosh, I got it. You yeah, know? I'm done now. <laughs> it's a constant struggle, a constant journey, but but that's what life is, right? We're never reached the pinnacle. We're always striving to do better and to be better and to learn, right? That's what we're here in this world for. Sure. And then that speaks to also the other piece of what you were saying in terms of letting go and, and you know, lowering your expectations about the outcomes and things. The other piece of that is faith, right? And just believing that Hashem will, you'll do your best and Hashem will do the rest, as they say. But really, you know. Yes. Yeah, for real. It's a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what have you found to be the response and the attitude of your unique family within the From community? And I know, you know, you're, you're sort of outside of a large From community, so maybe you know, it would be a little different for you than if you were living in like Brooklyn or Crown Heights. But um, how, how, how have your, your neighbors, your community members, your family dealt with this? Have, has there been any issues? Have people been receptive? Um, okay, so great question and a, and a question that I get often. Um, I am so blessed to have um, a family. Um, both my husband's family and my family have been nothing but supportive and with us on this journey and excited and just the best support I can I can ever ask for 
I always say, like, we always, we always sprung these, like, crazy things on our family, like, oh, by the way, you know, we're adopting a 12-year-old tomorrow, or by the way, like, and they've done so good at just adapting, and I'm, and I'm sure that my parents and, you know, siblings and my husband's siblings, just, they, I'm sure they needed their own time to process that and work that through, but they never made it they made they never made us part of that process right they did their work you know however they needed to process that information but we never felt judged or 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 you know looked differently or down upon like it was done with such grace and i and i know how special that is because i'm sure not all families are like that and i and i feel so grateful to have had that immense just support from the beginning and the same for um my community in Bozeman, they have just been like the best, you know, just love our family, support our family so much. Our cheerleaders are just, we're really surrounded by so many supportive people. Now, when you leave your little comfort zone and you travel or you go to, you know, a a firm community, there's always looks and there's always, you know, who knows, you know, what judgments people are making. But what I found, um, is that if you, whatever you put out there in the world, that's what you're going to get back. So when you put out the confidence and the um, attitude of like, this is my family and I own it and I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. I, I love it. I embrace it. This is normal. Um, so then that's what you're going to get back. People are, are just embracing it because you're so confident in it. it, it it's like almost weird. Like, why should I be weirded out by your family choice if you're not, right? So, you know, they they mirror your attitude. So when you, like, if you walk into the street and, and, I, and me, and for example, me being embarrassed to walk with my son, Manny, because he's black, then that's the kind of feedback you're going to get, right? But if I walk with my son, Manny, in the street and I'm like, I don't even, re- even register the fact that it's weird because it's so normal for us, it, it starts to be normal for everybody else, too. Now, not to say I don't have the experience of living in a firm community, so I think that's um, a little bit of a different challenge, um, and I and I don't know necessarily what that's like. I know what it's like to live in a rural community that's predominantly white and very not diverse. Like, even though we're not in a firm community, we're in Bozeman, Montana, which is 95% white. Like, we, we don't have diversity, you know? Wow. So um, it's not in the firm aspect of it, but it's just in the world aspect of it. Many's one of a very few people that are colored, you know? So, um, it just, it just, I really feel like what you put out there, what you put out into the universe is what you get back. I think you're very right. And I, I've seen similar kind of things like, you know, just speaking of like things that are a little unconventional, um, in terms of families or moms of kids who have special needs, right? A lot of yeah. it, it is fed off of the parents' attitude and the family's attitude. Like I've seen families where I'm just blown away how their their special needs children are so normalized and, you know, there's no there's no shame, like you said. There's no weirdness and the response they get in return mirrors that exactly. So I think it can be like extrapolated to other situations that are quote unquote unconventional it's very very true oh, for sure. and for anything it's the way you carry yourself the way your attitude is you know like it's like you know it, it is you know it's almost like karma it's like what you put out there is what the energy you're putting out there is the energy like there's it's energetic you know like I fully believe that like and sometimes we do our best and sometimes what we're putting out there isn't what we you know 100% think is the right thing 
but we do our best, you know, and if and the most, the most times that we can put out there positive energy and, um, just com- comfort, comfortable in our own skin, the more that does us good. Absolutely. So if there's anyone listening who thought maybe adoption might be an option for them, something that they've considered, or even just had like the most brief fleeting thought about, um, or someone who might be very, very strongly considering adoption, um, as someone who's been through it in so many different ways, um, what would be your advice? I'm sure you've got questions. Like if somebody called you and said, Hey, I'm considering it. Uh, I'm a from person, you know, maybe yeah. the kids from an unconventional situation, like some of your own, what, um, what would be your response to that question like that? Um, okay. So first of all, we, I, um, my husband and I talk to a lot of people all the time about this. I actually have a blog called clear as and, um, has a lot of amazing, you know, just life, you know, experiences for myself. But if anyone ever wants to reach out, they can email me through that blog. Um, uh, and the other thing is what I say is a few things. First of all, the most important thing is to make sure you and your husband are on the same page. This is not something you want to go into, um, being split or having any hard feelings, um, about, um, because this is a very big undertaking. It's a, it's an emotional roller coaster, and you need to be a team. So that's number one. Um, number two is if this is something that you're really serious about, get all your legalities under control. So meaning you need to be a legal adoptive parent. So what that means is you need to find out in your state who, you know, through which organization are you doing your home study, your, you know, your home visits, your, you know, all, you know, your fingerprints, all that stuff takes a little while, takes a couple months. And the, and the home study process is, is, it's not bad, but it takes time. So that's the first and foremost thing you want to do, because once you start looking for an adoption and let's say something comes up right away and then you're like, oh, no, wait, we don't have our home study. We're not legal. Then you lose out. So before you even look for a baby necessarily, you want to make sure that all your um, legalities are all set up and you have all your ducks in a row. That's my first suggestion. And then second of all, figure, you know, third of all, I'm probably up to third of all, I don't even know. <laughs> um, but um, then you want to decide on like how, you know, how open are you to, you know, what are you willing to um, look at and what, what, you know, kind of guidelines are you looking for? Are you looking for only a newborn? Are you looking for only a child that's Jewish from birth? Are you looking for, you know, no child with special needs? Like you have to, you know, you start to, you know, kind of make your, your kind of give yourself an idea of what you're looking for. And then the really like, unfortunately there hasn't been, um, there's no like Jewish adoption agency. So, um, you really are either left to doing private adoptions, which is you put the word out there, you, you know, you hear of a situation, you, you find your own, um, scenario and then you hire lawyers and you go that route or you sign up for an adoption agency and you're the guy, you know, it's a little bit less, you know, DIY, you know, it's more structured and, um, has its ups and, you know, everything has its pros and cons. So just really researching on what, what you're looking for and, and then, you know, going, just, you know, diving in and being prepared for, for the roller coaster, you know? Wow. So that's some really good advice. And then, so that's more on like a technical nature and then, of course, like every situation is different, but if you could um, give some advice as to more of like the 
I guess, emotional or mental preparation. Um, is there anything you can say about that? Like, I guess you touched on it a little bit when you said, you know, yeah. you have to think of what you're willing to take on and, and stuff right. like that. And, and being on the same page with your husband is really important. And then the other thing is that, um, to me, I almost say like, there's sometimes, I don't know, sometimes it's not true, right? And never too much information and just, just reading, being, you know, opening yourself up to learning and understanding and, and being almost like a empty vessel, right? And like allowing when you open, the more you open yourself up, the more opportunities you give yourself. So the more you can just breathe into it and be open to the universe and Hashem and what he you know, has in store for you, the more opportunities you're going to have, right? So um, just really, and, but also you got to stay true to yourself. So if you're not ready for um, a biracial situation or a special needs situation, then, then don't do it because you're not doing a favor for you or for the child, right? So really, I think it's what I, one of the big best things that I've learned through this journey is, is, is really digging deep and blocking out the noise. So you have to block out the, what your mom mom is telling you and what this person is telling you, what the norm is and what the expectations are and what's, you know, like you need to be able to silence that and really go inside yourself and be like, what is right for me? And when you do that, you will get your answers. You will be guided because you, we, our gut and our soul and our, you know, we knows what's what we need and what's best for us. It's just when everything else gets in the way, we get distracted and we get pulled and we get, you know, peer pressured into things that we don't feel good about, right? So when you can block that out and really make decisions based on your values, which in, for this audience are going to be Torah values, right? Your Torah values, but also your personal and, you know, values and what rings true for you and what you are capable of and can handle. And there's no shame in anything because it's you, right? And, and you know yourself best. So don't let people tell you what to do. There is so much incredible insight that you have. I think, you know, obviously this is all in the context of, of adoption, but it's so much more that could be used just in it's life in general. Universal. Yeah, it's, it's user. <laughs> exactly. It's user-friendly in a lot of different scenarios. Exactly. Wow. So your story, I know it's an ongoing story. It's not a story of the past, yes. but it's oh, a story yeah. that that's of the present and keeps going. But, um, you know, I'm really, really, like, fascinated by your strength of character um, and what you've taken on, which I think, like you said, everyone has to assess what their own abilities are. Um, and clearly, you've done a lot of that. But... Um, it's so different than what most people I think could do and are willing to do, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe if people would, um, you know, dig deep, like you said, you would find that there's a lot more strength than you thought. Cause yeah, I'm sure when you were newlywed, you didn't think that this was going to be your right. life you in 15 think, years. You never think you're, you know, this is going to be your life or what you, what you're going to be able to be. And I honestly, like, there are so many times where I'm like, God, you got the wrong person. I actually can't do this. I actually <laughs> you know, and, but he knows, he knows, and he knows better, but sometimes I'm like, go pick on someone your own size, like, I've, I've got enough on my plate, you know, um, and sometimes I really, um, do struggle, I mean, not sometimes, a lot of times I struggle, and I, and I feel like I actually can't do this, it's, it's, you know, there's certain situations or scenarios where I'm just overwhelmed, and it feels too much, and, you know, and that's okay, 
I've learned through therapy that I need to let those feelings move through me and not try to push them away because when, I, when you try to push away these feelings, they first of all add shame because you're not you feel guilty and you don't let your you don't think you deserve to feel certain ways and we all deserve to to feel the way we want to feel right like that's just a right that we have um and but but i what i've learned from not trying to push away those feelings and being super strong and being like i'm not i you know i'm not gonna fall into that hole is that it comes up sideways later and so what i've learned and, and which is so valuable is when I'm feeling those feelings of overwhelm or jealousy or, or um, exhaustion or despair or, you know, that, like I feel like there's no hope. Like I sit with them and I'm like, you know what? Guess what? For, and that depends. Each feeling is different. But do I need an hour? Do I need a day? Or do I need a week? Right? Sometimes I tell my husband, I'm like, this is going to be a bad week. Like I'm, I'm just telling you, like it's not, I'm not in a good place. Right? But then I let myself be in that bad place. I, I wallow a little bit. I, I just, I'm there and I'm present and I'm owning those feelings. And what I've discovered is, is that then I move through them and then I'm out the other side. Wow. I love that. And I love that, you know, you're presenting a side of reality. You know, everyone deals oh with these not, emotions. Yeah. Yes. It's not all roses. And, and right. it, it is like in, when I speak, I mean, I'm very clear on, like, yes, I, I have a strong faith and I've overcome a lot of challenges, but it's not pretty. Sometimes it doesn't look pretty and sometimes it's really dark. And, um, but what, but when we allow ourselves to be there and not shame ourselves for those feelings, I think of most of the, where the trouble comes from is feeling shame for like, oh, some people have it worse or I don't deserve to feel this way or why do I even feel this way or why should I be jealous of all the people who are pregnant when I have a beautiful family with five children? Like, why does that still bother me sometimes? And you know what? Instead of analyzing that and not and not thinking I deserve to have those feelings, I have them, right? And I have them, and I let them be. And then guess what? Usually, I move can move through it so much quicker, and I move through it in a healthy way. And then, and then I'm done, and then I'm ready to move on, and I'm a happy, functioning, healthy person. It's a great coping skill for life because everyone in their own unique situation, like you said, everyone has a story. And so everyone's going to encounter things like that. And, you know, I like to go back to this because I think it's so important to point it out in today's day and age that, you know, what we see on social media, people try to always put their best foot forward, which is so understandable. Like no one wants to see you kvetch on social media, but it also creates as much as we know that it's not real life. It still is giving us this illusion of other people's perfection as much as we tell ourselves we know it's not that way we know it's only portraying the good moments but you don't see the bad moments so you don't have that to balance out so you know what you're saying is so true and so usable um for everybody really yes percent and that's also a work in progress you know and sometimes we fail and sometimes we succeed and and that's life Right. And when we fail, we pick ourselves up and we try again. It's ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like the biggest, if the one message that you take out of this podcast is the immense positive impact therapy can have is unbelievable. And that's changed my life. And just, I think, you know, nowadays it's becoming less of a stigma but I think sometimes in the firm community it still could be 
and um, I don't think you have to be messed up or broken to have a therapist like I always say like if every person in this world had a therapist the world would be a much better place you know (laughs) like um I just I I've seen firsthand the for myself for my family what that does and the the support and the positive um, effects of that are just uh, uh, unimaginable so anyone who you know is struggling and anyone who's even not struggling and you know, just having that objective support system is is life-changing, and um, it's really what's allowed me to move through this, you know, obviously with my faith, um, but also with, you know, that support and that understanding and learning more about myself and learning about, you know, how our brain works and how our mind works and how our emotions work is has just been invaluable. So, Javi, I thought we were going to have a conversation all about adoption, but I think we've covered a lot of <laughs> a lot of other topics too, including you know, in a really good way. There's so much, there's so much to talk about. I could talk about anything for hours. I'm super passionate about a lot of things, as you can tell. <laughs> that's why I did start my blog, and that's why I do have I have an Instagram presence. Um, but really, that's why I started my blog because I'm like, I just have so many things to say, so I need somewhere to put them. <laughs> but look, it's all interwoven, right? I mean, you can't take exactly. adoption in a bubble. It's all yeah, it's not all one connected. aspect of your life is in a bubble. Obviously, it's all functioning within, right. you know, who you are as a person and who your kids are as people and how you guys are are getting through this unique life. So, um, yes, hundred percent. Thank you so so much for coming and sharing your story. I hope that people um, will gain from it and, and think about, you know, considering um, different options that they might not have thought of beforehand. Um, I know, you know, you were put in this position, not not as your uh, choice initially, but you've done an incredible um, job of the circumstances you were given. So, you know, for anybody listening, you said your, your blog is called? Clear as Mud. Like the like life, right? Life is as clear as mud. Um, dot blog. Okay, so that's a really great resource to check out. And then um, on Instagram, you are under my name, um, just Chavi C H A V I E Brook B R U K. All right, so everybody who's listening, check those out. Chavi, as you have just heard, is an incredible resource, an incredible person. I'm so honored that you gave us your time, um, and I really. Just want to wish you and your family all the best. You're like really an inspiration. And um, I hope a lot of people have gained from your story. Well, thank you so much for having me on here. It was a lot of fun. And I, I do. I hope that if this can provide some comfort or some, some practical information or, you know, whatever support that, you know, anybody's looking for in their lives, I'm, I'm happy. Thank you so much.